Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Today on episode 102 of Discovered Smiths, I have a VK Tuft who is re- talking about her book, Putney and the Magic iPad. Actually, it's a series. And this one I really loved for multiple reasons, because she is a middle grade author, just like me. We had a lot to talk about. Plus, she made her books based on her engineering background. So they are STEM based. They have what she kind of talks about uh, wanting to make a female MacGyver, which are all things near and dear to my heart, too. So it sounds like we had a lot in common, and we did, and it was a great talk, and we had so much fun. So I encourage you, if you've got kids, check out these books, listen to the interview. If you're an author and you've been wondering, how do you market middle grade? Listen to the second half, because obviously that was something we could talk about, and we did. And she's done even more than I have, so there's some great information in there for anybody. So let me uh, get right to it. Here's VK. Marsha, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths. How are you this morning? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Stephen. How are you? Okay. Good. Good. Not too bad. Did you get caught in the snow? No. I was home when it snowed. And so I didn't have the bad stuff. My we spent time in Hilton Head and we came back we were traveling back New Year's Day and January 1st and January 2nd. And we got home, which is Cincinnati, Ohio for us, ahead of the snow. And my sister who lives in Virginia, she got a ton of We dodged the, the bad snow bullet. And then yesterday we had more than I was expecting. But since I'm a retired engineer and I work from home on my book, I didn't have to go out in it. Yeah, same here. So you live in Cincinnati because I live up by Kent State, so both Ohio. Cool. So why don't you tell, now that we know that where you live, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you and some of the things you like to do besides writing? As I mentioned, I'm a retired engineer. And from as a kid on, I love science, art, math. I've done tons of artwork, watercolors, doing some acrylics now. Sewing has been a long-time hobby and quilting more recently. And basically, one of my favorite things to do is just design stuff and solve problems. So I come up with ideas for, okay, I'm, I'm knitting now, I'm, and I also quilt. So I'm, I made this, what I call a knit worker, that would be like this portable platform that I could actually walk around the house with and knit and have my tools stashed near me. And I don't walk a lot while knitting, but it's really handy for traveling in the car. So I like solving problems with fabric. And most recently, for my fourth book, where I researched for one of my topics is has a sea turtle theme. And when I was researching for the book in Hilton Head in July, I 
came across this idea that instead of doing like a rehashed death in paradise turtle poaching thing, which isn't a thing on Hilton Head for leg poaching, I thought maybe I could help solve a real problem, which is losing baby sea turtles due to misorientation because they get attracted by artificial lights from houses. And I actually came up with a prototype. I worked with Amber Kuhn, who's um, the director and head of Sea Turtle Patrol Hilton Head. And I ran it past her, incorporated some of her feedback, made a prototype, and it, it helped save baby sea turtles from at least two nests this past season. Wow, that's and cool. And she's planning to use that's more cool. of it next summer. So I was like, I was so excited because, okay, and I'm actually able to make a difference in my book and model the creative problem-solving process for kids in story. That's pretty cool to be able to say that. That's definitely an icebreaker when you have one of those group meetings, right? Yeah. Okay, Marsha, you mentioned your books a little bit. Oh, before we talk specifically about them, why did you want to start writing, and what made you finally sit down to write? I've taken cracks at writing throughout my life. Like in grade school, my sister and I would write Lost in Space episodes and we'd illustrate them. These are very crude things. And periodically, I would come up with an idea and write down a little piece of it. But it really wasn't until I retired that I really had time to think about it more. And something that really influenced me was I'd been volunteering with GE Aviation. G volunteers and Girl Scouts of Western Ohio with their STEM program. So they have an after school series that's like six weeks of experiments. And I did that one year. And then that next summer, actually, after I retired, I was working on an experiment for the first STEM summer camp series. And that was so much fun for me to create experiments and lead them at summer camp. So we had basically three weeks of camp. We'd get a different week of girls each week, and we had five days of experiments. So we repeated the experiments normally from each week. But I was leading like a mechanical engineering type experiment on Thursdays. And so I was learning to work with the girls and getting to see the excitement in their eyes when they could see, oh, this is something I can do now. I can design something now. I don't have to wait till I'm in high school or college. And especially when I did the uh, cardboard boat experiment in Buoyancy, and I had posters with my golden retriever surfing in the ocean on a surf boat I built and designed through the process that I, I was teaching them. And okay, Harry is totally drool worthy. He, pictures of him are on my website. And you know, the girls get engaged with this cute golden retriever and thinking that oh, why do some things float and others don't? And I can predict that with understanding about density and a little bit of math, and then I could design something. And I could design my own cardboard boat or surfboard or surf boat. And to see the lights go on in the back of their heads and think, hey, this is something I can do now is just really exciting and empowering. And it, it just took me a while to figure out the right vehicle and I'm still working I'm still working to tweak my plots because if, if if you probably know this but to get middle grade kids to read a book it can't just be educational it's got to be edu entertaining 
And so getting the right balance of a an addictive plot and sliding in some of the empowering problem-solving skills and methods that challenged. Basically, one of my early um, mentors told me, the girl has to be the protagonist. If you bring a gun out in chapter one, it's got to go off by the end of the book. And it's the kid has to be empowered. And I realized after listening to his feedback that I needed to try and write Girl MacGyver. And I wasn't sure how to do it. I love that. I'm getting there. And then I'm working with some other coaches and mastermind groups and learning about what my coach Rami calls tier ones, which are successful indie authors in your genre, or in my case, the closest thing to my genre, because there really aren't wildly successful authors writing Girl MacGyver. We haven't quite hit on the right magic formula. So what I've been learning is well, you have the intrigue and the suspense and the mystery and the things that set off those chemical reactions in your brain that want you to engage with the characters and turn the page and hear what happens next. I love that because that's funny. The first book that I worked on and wrote was kind of the same thing. It was inspired my daughter and some of her Girl Scout friends that I was a Girl Scout leader of. And it was exactly that. I was writing a girl who was good at science and chemistry and did MacGyver-like things in the, the book. So that's, I love that, that we did similar <laughs> things. And you're right. It, it's difficult with the middle grade to engage them like that and do those things. So tell us a, a little bit about your books and some of the things you've uh, written for the middle group. Okay, so my series is called Putney and the Magic iPad. And book one is called Putney and the Magic iPad. And I'm really excited because in 2021, it won the Reader's Favorite Gold Medal Award for the Children Adventure category. That really yes. lifted my spirits and helped me double down and say, okay, I know my covers aren't quite right. I've done enough research now. I have a better idea what my covers need to look like to help market the books. And I found a fantastic artist. So I've got my cover redesigns done. So in book one, I danced a very fine line. So I've got my protagonist, Putney Hicks, is part of a Coast Guard family. Her dad was a rescue swimmer in the Coast Guard. He's now a physician's assistant. They've just spent four years in Kodiak, Alaska. And they're moving from Alaska to the Savannah, Georgia area. But they're staying with her great aunt, Gertrude, on Hilton Head Island while they're looking for a place to stay. And suddenly she's finding herself in this new experimental school with a bunch of rich kids that she's really not had the exposure to before. She hasn't had to fit in with them before. And she's looking at a very different social group at school and feeling like, okay, I'm an introvert. Changing schools is really tough for me. And I really want to be an artist inventor and I don't know how. And she's given the gift of a magic iPad from her favorite teacher back in Kodiak. So book one takes you through the introduction of getting to know this. The interface of the iPad, her name is Sam. And Honey gets to know her 
she has to guess her name and she appears as this Princess Leia type hologram at first and he's all startled. So you get this exploration of what is this device? Who is this person? And Sam's role in book one is more of a magical mentor. And she gets her in a little bit of trouble, but it's more of a way to provide a mentor and a guide help Putney through this self-discovery and help her settle in and handle the challenges that come her way. So I just throw problem after problem after her and she's got to figure this out. And she, she finds some really cool friends and she also makes some enemies inadvertently through her klutziness. And also because she's very competitive and smart and she's starting to take the limelight from the other our pupil. So we get a little bit of that competition going on. So the book starts like with there's this design, there's this experiment for Friday, but it ends up being this design challenge and this rivalry between Putney and her arch rival. And you said that was uh, the, the book two or the rest of the series? That's book one. So book one is you meet, she comes to Hilton Head and she's she gets a bunch of obstacles thrown in her way and she works her way through and finds her feet. And then, and that takes place in a week. So there's a design challenge for art class and there's a bet on it. It's late for a day. And so that gets resolved in book two where she actually, there's the payoff for the bet. But book one has who wins the challenge and the science fair. And there's some other stuff that goes on. Then book two is one of my absolute favorite projects, which is the cardboard boat race. And it's the buoyancy project. And that's what spawned my obsession with surf boats and teaching my golden retriever to ride on it and design. That's been one of the favorite projects in Girl Scout summer camp. And my main goal with that book is, yeah, there's conflict with Sue. They end up on the same team. So it's a survivor-style challenge where there's three or four teams competing in this cardboard boat race. And Sue and Putney have conflicting designs, and there's conflict on the team, and there's a bunch of other stuff happening in the background. But the main thing I try to accomplish from a STEM perspective is introduce the power and the magic of math and make it less scary. And I give the kids permission to doodle during the chapter where I introduce the math algebra kind of stuff. I just want them to see that, hey, if you can multiply two times three and get six, we can put variables in there. That means like length times width, and I can get an area. I can multiply that by height and get a volume. Okay, now I can size a boat. So now I have an equation that I can use to come up with different designs and do trade studies with before I even cut cardboard or put something together. And I don't care if they follow the math. I just want them to see that there is power in math that really doesn't get talked about in schools with algebra when it comes to be word problems. And okay, why do I care if Harry moves to the left at five miles per hour and Sam moves to the right at 10. Where are they going to meet? That there's something much more fun that you can do from a design perspective. 
And I found that, okay, so one of my big goals is when I graduated with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering in 1981 from Purdue University, we were, we had about 25% women overall across all fields of engineering. Chemies were more like 40% women. Emmys were closer to 10. And the total numbers of women in engineering haven't changed much in 40 years. And that's the, that's the needle I'm trying to move. And what I've seen is girls and women often lack confidence in their math skills. And lack of confidence in math skills is a barrier to entry in STEM fields for everyone, whether it's boy or the Greater Cincinnati STEM Collaborative interviewed students at the college prep high school, Walnut Hills. And they started with a softball question. You see yourself in a STEM field. And all the kids said, no. And the STEM collaborative folks were like, what? We thought this was an easy question. And the challenge was they lacked confidence in their own math skills. So that's a big barrier that I'm trying to change attitudes, math through story. Another common barrier Women, we tend to be perfectionists, and we're much more likely to change majors if our grades are less than perfect. And the guys, guy gets a D, they'll just shrug it off. It's like, okay, that was hard. A woman gets a D, it's like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And I very nearly quit engineering when I got my first D ever sophomore year. So I'm trying to tap into what helped me get through that D and help other girls develop their own resilience. And for me, it was all the creative stuff I was doing at a kid that gave me the confidence to say, I know I'm creative. I got this D, but I know I can do this. I can figure it out. So that's, that's just another big challenge where we're just wired a little bit differently from the guys. I had a friend in double E who routinely got C's and D's. His grade point average at the end was probably a C minus. And he got a job and he was very successful. Grades don't yeah. necessarily correlate to success in life. And I agree. And I like how you're trying to tie that in. And it's that's difficult. We're going to talk more about marketing to middle graders if you tell them, hey, I've got this great book that'll tell you how wonderful math is. I'm sure that doesn't go over. No, and and I've uh, had great reviews with the plot being really fun and exciting. Marketing, did I do enough with the plot? And part of it is getting known. But as you said, we're going to get to the marketing piece later. So the uh, books, did you traditionally publish them or independently publish them? Self-published. Uh, did you think about going traditional, trying to go traditional, or did you always want to do self-published? I had done a course with Michael Hyatt, Best Year Ever in Goal Setting. And from affiliate marketing, I was getting emails from Chandler Bolt and Self-Publishing School and Brian Collins, Become a Writer Today. So I started off exploring the self-publishing route because my, my mother was a journalism major and she tried really hard to write a book about our travels to Europe back when I was like 14. 
And it was really hard for her. She never managed to get it published. And so my impression of traditionally published is, if you're not an experienced author, who's going to read your stuff? And, And how do you even flesh out the idea? So I ended up taking a couple courses that kind of helped me flesh out the basics of story and learn that because I was in, I've got three degrees in engineering, mechanical aerospace, and my PhD is in materials engineering. So I know a lot about engineering. I do not have the journalism background and storytelling craft background. So I had to learn that. And what I learned about self-publishing is, first of all, Getting published is a crapshoot in that not all genres are marketable. And traditional publishers, they they want books that are going to sell. Getting something that was good enough for a first pass, I, I probably would never gotten off the starting blocks if I tried traditional. And since I was working with a self-publishing group, I found I did the basic steps. I learned about how to you know, get a cover created. I found a good children's middle grade book developmental editor. And my first draft was like horrible. It was like, it was so boring. I didn't want to do the self-editing on it. So I was still learning about, okay, you can't have these, you've got to have scenes that move the plot. You've got to have more conflict. And my coach once said to me very kindly, Marcia, I think you're a very nice person, but you got to have more conflict. You got to be meaner to your characters. And it took me a while to figure out how to develop my characters and get more engaging plot. I took my time going from first draft to second draft. I pretty much took another year. I did all the design projects in the book. I made everything. I, I came up with my challenges. and And then the second I had some fun things that I thought of to put in the the second draft, and my editor was thrilled to see how much better that draft was. It, I, I think, the successful traditionally published authors probably have more of a journalism storytelling educational background. No, no I, I didn't really even want to. I was more interested in self-publishing because of some of the things I wanted to do with it. Uh, And I didn't want to lose that control. Um, I love the control you have as a self-published author. Plus, I got three books out in 2020. 2020 was a crappy year. And book one was set to come out before COVID hit. It was scheduled for like the end of March. And then COVID hit. And I didn't know if it wasn't selling well because of COVID. And people just didn't have jobs and they weren't buying books or, you know, if I just didn't have the marketing figured out. And once I got my coach really pushed this, okay, to be successful fiction writer, you've got to have a series. And he kept pushing, get book two, get book three done. I try to get at least four to five books in a series. And, and once I got the first book and I got some good reviews and I was getting good feedback. I felt a lot better about that. Once I got all three books out, it's pins and needles waiting for those reviews to come in. But once I got those out there and felt like, hey, those are 
three pretty solid books. They may not be very commercially marketable, but I felt, hey, I've I've got something that I want to that I'm proud of, and I want to try to pursue it and help market it effectively, which got me into the course on PR and speaking and doing podcasts and, you know, okay, learning social media. And as my coach Rami keeps saying, you can't do everything. And the most important thing as a new writer is you got to write. And then as you have time, then you can work on the social media and Ads I've found have not been very effective for middle grade marketing. And I've had people say, as a parent, they're just not going to buy a book because of an ad. They want it to be recommended to them by a friend or a teacher. You know, the well, imp- yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more marketing for the yeah. authors in the second half. So you mentioned the good reviews you've gotten and, and getting those. I'll ask, I'm going to ask some more about that later. So you have gotten these books out. You've got four of them out. Is that correct? I've got three out. I'm finishing book four Uh, currently. I'm targeting a late March release for book four. Okay, great. And what's that one called? I'm sorry, I missed that. That's the Sea Turtle Project. And that's the one where I came up with an actual prototype that helped to save baby sea turtle lives this summer on Hilton Head. And they're planning to expand the use next year. I'm going to make more of the screens. And it it was successful in shielding nests that didn't have natural dunes protection to help the babies see the light reflecting off the ocean before turning inland towards the artificial lights of the hotels and houses on the beach. So the feedback, has it been from parents or from kids? Or do you have a mixture of both? I have a mixture of both. I'm more likely to hear from parents and especially friends or especially friends. Uh, Kids are just a whole lot more shy. So I'll get feedback from somebody who bought my book for their kid or their grandkid or their niece or nephew and say, okay, here's a picture of Caden and he's reading the book in bed. He's really engrossed in it. He's really enjoying it. Right. And occasionally I get feedback. Oh, my daughter just absolutely loved this book. My granddaughter loved this book and we're doing the project and she's just so excited about it. And I just had somebody wrote me a nice note with uh, an acquaintance I exchanged Christmas cards with us. It was two pages handwritten about how fantastic my book was and how it's so close to what her her children's doing and just some of the things that were her granddaughters painting rocks and raised a thousand dollars and all these coincidences that she's seeing between my book plot and their lives and how much she's really enjoying it so when you get one of those it's like you're dancing and celebrating it's like oh that made my week that made my month Nice. That that's always good to hear, and uh, not enough people realize how important it is to let an author know you like their book. You have a thousand people. If you get ten, you're lucky and you feel good. It's one of those little things I try and mention on the podcast. And reviews are even more important because 
<clears throat> that's the social proof for somebody to consider buying a book. They they say if you're 15, you're okay. And I've had somebody else say it's once you get to 50, it starts becoming organic and people are more likely to leave reviews. And getting to that first 50 is challenging. So you mentioned you had some reviews. What did you do to get some of those? One of the things that we're taught with self-publishing school is to build a launch team. So to ask friends and family or people who are interested in your genre or interested in your book to an early read at a pre-release copy and then buy it once it's live and be ready with a review so that you can start getting reviews that first day. And of course, the most valuable reviews are those that are actual purchases because they're validated. But even a an unvalidated review, like from the U.S. still counts. If somebody does an unvalidated review in England, it only shows up on the U.K. store. It doesn't transfer to the U.S. A key strategy is to get your launch team, let them know what's coming, and really try to engage them and get them to read the book, leave an honest review, and that can help build some momentum with the Amazon algorithm. Ask a slightly different question here, Marsha. The stories, the books, would you, if you had a chance, would you rather see them turned into a TV show or a movie? I think a TV show is more accessible. I think movies that's really high expectations and a TV show can be a little bit more everyday life and okay, here's the first, you know, here's the first session, here's the next session. And I think that especially middle grades to keep their attention and keep them engaged, I'd rather see more serialized segments so that they want to come back next week and learn more and see what's going on next and continue to grow and get to know the character. Okay, and I agree with that. I think a lot of people think that, and I think it's different now than it was years ago. You know, I'm not sure how uh, TV series are doing TV. now because the way I watch TV is so totally different. Growing up, I used to watch, I'd look at what NBC and CBS and ABC had, and I'd pick my favorite shows and I try to catch them each week. And <laughs> I don't watch right. TV that way anymore. Right. I find I find a series and maybe I'll watch it on Amazon Prime or or I'll, I'll even buy one of my favorite series from the past. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that now way different than it was when we were younger. <laughs> so, Marsha, where can people get the iPad series of books? It's available in electronic, paperback, and hard copy format through Amazon. You can also order like Barnes and Nobles. I've got hardcover available through Ingram Spark. So booksellers can get it and libraries can get it through Ingram Spark, but it's a special order. So it's not really stocked in stores. So if I start really getting getting home run with book four and start getting more demand, maybe I can get it into um, more stores. But it, at this point, it's most readily available through Amazon for the average person. Okay. And do you have a website? Yeah. My website is putneydesigns.com. And I have STEM experiments on the website, which complement the book. And there's a 
I've got a blog. There's also a books page. And if you go to the books menu, it's got all, actually, it's got all four books. So it's got the cover of book four and says coming later this year. But it's got links to the first three books that'll take you directly to Amazon. Okay. Good. And so let me ask this for yourself. Do you have any, and it doesn't have to be middle grade, but do you have any favorite uh, books and authors that you like to read? I have tons of favorite books. <clears throat> Jane Austen is one of my favorite authors, and I only discovered her relatively late in life. Sarah Woodbury is an independent author who has this amazing After Kill Mary series. It's about going back in time and changing history for the better, and it's just really cool. And she does a lot of other medieval mysteries. Stephen K. Smith is one of my favorite um, middle grade authors. He writes the Virginia Mysteries, which is like national treasure for middle grade kids. So he's my idol for a successful indie middle grade author that he's got fun, action oriented, cliffhanger, adventurous plots. And he weaves in some of the history in all these cool sites in Virginia. And those inspire the plots. So he gives you this little taste of history with a really fun adventure. And Agatha Christie. And I've got other mysteries. So Susan Boyer and um, trying to think. They're just some fun. Oh, Jana DeLeon, the Misfortune series, who's like an um, ex-CIA assassin who goes to um, this place in sinful Louisiana to hide out and eventually creates a new life there and becomes a PI. So there, and those books have action, adventure, mystery, and humor. There's laugh out loud moments in, in those. What about in Cincinnati where you live? Do you have any favorite bookstores close by? I do most of my reading through Amazon, but Borders used to be a favorite. They've gone out of business. So Barnes & Noble is really the local bookstore for me. Although half-price books can be a cool place to browse because you can find some really interesting books for low prices. And I've I've found some really cool finds at half-price books. Nice. Okay. All right. Marsha, before we go on to some author stuff for the second half, give, tell readers, hopefully some parents, what would be the reason you would tell them that they should buy your books? If you want to inspire your kids to be creative, become problem solvers, build confidence, try something new, maybe consider a STEM field. My books will introduce them to STEM and problem solving and design in a fun way. And it will show them some ways to tackle challenges and build their self-confidence and resilience. And one of my real goals has been to get kids to do their own thing, to create and design. And I try to model that through story. Okay, great. Thank you for talking to us today and telling us about your books, Marsha. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. 
Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you.